Hey, everybody. Partly because this season is going to be all about places, we felt that it was time for us to acknowledge that the Bay Area and San Francisco were inhabited by humans before Europeans colonized it. To that end, you'll hear a land acknowledgement at the start of every episode. If you want to learn more about this and why we think it's important, please check out episode zero, which we put out last week. We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytushaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello, and welcome to Season 5 of the Storied San Francisco Podcast. This season is going to be a little different for us. Rather than focus on humans and their life stories, as we've done for five years, we're shining a light on some of the more interesting, magical, and unique places that also make the city special. Today, we kick things off in the Bay, naturally. Surrounded on three sides by water, the Pacific Ocean and San Francisco Bay are huge parts of the charm of San Francisco. And nestled between China Basin Landing and Oracle Park, where the Giants play, is another, smaller body of water that holds a special significance to so many of us around here. This episode is all about McCovey Cove. The body of water we call McCovey Cove is officially known as Mission Bay, or China Basin. Feeding into the basin, and thus the cove, is Mission Creek. Longtime listeners are familiar with the creek from episodes we've done on the humans living in houseboats down there. Before Europeans colonized this area, there were two known Ramatush villages situated along the shores of Mission Creek. Centuries later, China Basin was heavily commercial, with warehouses set along the area where the ballpark sits today. Over the years, Creeks and other waterways were filled in and developed, but McCovey Cove remains. In the late 1990s, when the Giants were in the process of relocating from Candlestick Point up to the south of Market area, proximity to water was a huge factor. Back in 2018, when we had Giants President of Business Operations Mario Alioto on this show, he talked about the Cove in the early days of Packbell Park. They say that the ballpark was built for Barry Bonds and his tendency to hit home runs to right field. Mario says that right away, the cove was filled with boats and kayaks. And before humans vied for splash hits, thanks to Don Novello, the comedian known in the 70s for Father Guido Sarducci, the Giants had Portuguese water dogs waiting to fetch home runs hidden to the bay. We're so grateful to our captain out on the water that day, Jay Brummel. Now let's meet Jay and learn a little bit about the vessel that delivered us to McCovey Cove in July. All right, can you tell folks who you are real fast, please? Uh, my name is Jay Brummel. I've been coming out here in my boat, the Canusicle, for, I don't know, 10 years probably, I guess. Uh, that is a great launching point, please. What is this vessel that we're on? Uh, it's called the Canusicle. It's an old uh, aluminum 13-foot canoe from, I don't know, I think probably built a lot of them in the 50s. It feels very post-war. 
Yeah, they had they I ramped up metal and they ramped up and all this production for sheet aluminum to make you know bombers and, and fighters, right. and then they didn't have anything to do with it, so they're like, let's make some boats. Right. <laughs> Which is uh, yeah, um, to the benefit of a lot of folks like yourself. Yeah. Do you work with other media in work in other mediums or is it like uh, largely I do I work at a metal fab shop which is where I built okay. this and I also make a lot of uh, like custom bicycles kind of art bikes you can check it out on my Instagram at slouch cycles thank you <laughs> um, can you tell us like what yeah what was the inspiration for this thing that we're in uh, you know my friend chicken John does this event called camp tipsy and okay. it's like a big camp out at a lake and a couple hundred people show up and uh, and so I kind of wanted to get a, you know, a small-ish boat for that. Right. And I don't know. I always just wanted to do things the most difficult that I could. So I was like, <laughs> why don't I make it amphibious? Right. So I did. And uh, I came up with the idea. And then, of course, I looked online and somebody else had already done it. Ah. And uh, he's out of Oregon. He calls his the auto canoe, but he makes it all out of wood. So I bought his plans to just do all of his drivetrain stuff and... Um, and made my own out of metal because I'm do a it metal in, guy. In aluminum yeah. instead of yeah. yeah, nice. And you said it's amphibious. We, you, yeah. you've already said it's the canoe sickle. So the sickle part, like, is it a practical vehicle or is it more? Ar- it's like not. Art? Uh, okay. Like like most things that are made to do more than one thing, it's not very good at either. It's and this is why uh, I'm attracted to it. <laughs> it's definitely a better boat than a bike, but I mean okay. it, it handles fine on the land, but um. So this thing was not made specifically for coming to Giants games. It, you in know, McCovey it was Cove. kind of a, it was kind of both. So there was a dual purpose. I, I wanted to use it at Camp Tipsy, and I wanted to bring it out here. So right, had you had you been in the water for a Giants game before this? Very infrequently, probably just once or twice out of my friend's boat. We used to do. Um, there's a guy named Doc Ellis who pitched for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he was the, the only LSD, the only known pitcher guy. to have thrown a no hitter on LSD. Yeah. So we used to have Doc Ellis Day out here on my friend's sailboat, and we would all dress up in pirate gear, and we had a big banner that honored Doc Ellis, and it said "No No" on it. Nice. And uh, we didn't get on TV too much because baseball doesn't want anybody to know about the LSD No No. They're really like, right. like, no, no, that didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. We burned all that film. Well, at the risk of implicating yourself, were you guys also on LSD? <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done any psychedelics in a long time. But that's kind of one of the reasons I built this boat. People are like, why do you build all these crazy bikes? And I was like, because I did a lot of drugs in my 20s. I don't know. <laughs> right. No, this is awesome because we've been doing this podcast for five years, and I never probably thought that we'd get a Doc Ellis story. But So thank, <laughs> thank you for that. Anytime. Um, and then, so, so what's your background? Where are you from originally? I grew up in the Central Valley in a little town called Reedley that's near Fresno. And I went to Fresno State. And then, like a Highway uh, 99. Highway 99, okay. yeah, the, yeah. The world's fruit basket, it's right, called. Right, right. And um, Fresno State. I went to Fresno State and okay. didn't finish. And then uh, I moved to Santa Barbara for a couple years and got kind of bored. And all my cool friends from Santa Barbara had moved up here. So I figured, I'll go check it out. And when was that you moved to Santa 1994, New Year's Day. Okay, and you moved to the city or the Bay Area? To the city. Okay. I lived in the hate to start because I didn't know any better. And then I moved to the mission and I've been there ever since. Yeah, I would say like to editorialize back when artists could just move to the yeah. city. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you've been here ever since. Yeah. What are some, so what, like, what do you do besides build things like this? Uh, I used to be part of a group called the Cycle Side Bike Rodeo and we had like pedal powered carnival rides and a band and we had a whole shtick and we used to Love go on it. tour. We had a bus. That was pretty fun. 
And also, at about the same time, did a thing called the Seamen. It was like a robot fire, kind of an offshoot of survival research laboratories. Right. My friend Cal was the guy who was behind that. And uh, we did that for like 10, 12 years. And we would go on tour. We went to like Europe and did shows at RoboDoc and stuff. Oh, and nice. It's a kind of a fun hobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our theme this season is Sounds of the City. We, so it just makes sense that we're here. But yeah. Like, what, what are, like when, when you hear that, Sounds of the City, what are some things that come to, to your mind? Oh, I don't know. Like the wave organ or, yeah. um, gosh, I'd have to think for a minute. Remember the Tuesday sirens that we don't oh, have anymore? Yeah. yeah that, that's a great one. There used to be a band called Rue Boisdell, and they would play live at Leeds. There was a like a fabric store on Mission Street called Leeds Fabric. Uh-huh. And they would go out there like every Thursday and just play it for free. And it was just, you know, back in the, the 90s mission when musicians and artists could live in the neighborhood <laughs> right right and just do their art yeah and it was awesome yeah now let's hear from perhaps the most famous of the folks who spend giants games in the cove mccovey cove dave i'm uh, mccovey cove dave other people know me as dave edlin but very few people know that name. Well, that's your former. That's my former <laughs> name. How long have you been out here in the Cove, Dave? My first game was October 5th of, of uh, 2001, so over 20 years. Wow, so that was the second season yeah, of sec- the park. Yes, it was. Um, what like what brought, What was it? What brought you out? So <laughs> I am a long-term Giants fan going back to the 60s, and uh, I became a really good kayaker in one of my hobbies. and. Because I really loved home runs and I loved aquatic things, kayaking for home run was perfect. It's a natural marriage. And also, I was uh, trained growing up in the 60s to listen to Giants games on the radio, and that's right. what we do here. A lot of the younger fans are used to TV and everything, so just radios is kind of uh, uh, you know, archaic. But for me, yeah. it's the way I was brought up. And so I listened to the full game real time on a transistor radio, kind of like I had in the 60s. Right on. Just on the water in the 2020s. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, are you from the city? Born and raised? I, or I, was, Area? Uh, I was uh, brought up in Oakland, and I've lived all around the Bay Area. I currently live in the Oakland Hills, and um, I really know the Bay Area well. And I, as I said, I became an early Giants fan because in 63, my mom was a Giants fan. And the Oakland A's, they weren't even here yet. Right. Not till 68. Right. Okay. Um, is it fair to say you probably have more, let's call them souvenirs, from out here yeah, than, than I any? Yeah, I do. I so, do. So there, the- there have been about 400 game balls that have made the cove, about 200 foul and 200 home run over the oh, 23 it's years. it's pretty split evenly then. Yes. It's, it's, now, I, I'm kind of the historian on the home run, so I can tell you within a home run on but it's roughly 200 and then uh, how many of those are Barry Bonds so Barry and hit, we're what 15 years yes, removed from his yes. retirement yeah so and ba- to this day. so what Barry did is Barry hit 38 home runs in in the cove what happens he hit 35 that just hit the water those are full splashes and he hit three that bounced in or they like, touched the flagpole Got it. and so anything that hits water on a fly we call it McCovey Cove room but only only the ones that hit nothing but water are on the meter pure splash yes wow and then um so you said about 200 foul 200 fair 
400-ish total yes. that you have. Oh, you know, okay, so oh. of the 400, I have 107. So oh, okay. I have roughly 25% of every, of all the souvenirs. Got it. I have 40, I have 46 home runs, which is roughly quarter of the home runs, wow. too. And um, I actually missed the go-go years because really I didn't become a regular till 2005. And okay. The first five years, 2000, are kind of the PED years of the park, and balls were coming at a much higher rate. One year, Barry hit nine, so I missed out. I, I came to a couple token games, but I really couldn't focus until the fall of, of 2005 Hi. when I got my first splash hit. So oh. I'd already missed, um, there, there'd been about 35 full splash hits and a bunch of bounces uh, from just the Giants alone right. that I missed out. So. I've got about 40% of all giant splash hits since I've been here in 2005. And then how do you sort of preserve them or keep them or display them at home? I'm, I'm guessing so there's something I meet, there. I meet with all the players and they sign the balls. Occasionally nice. I will give them to them if it's a milestone, right. home run, but generally they're happy to sign the ball. and. At my home, I actually have eight by tens with me and the players. Maybe them shaking hands with me, or and then and actually the pitchers are just as important as the balls. Sure. And, and yeah, that part time I spent with the players, I've had lunch with a number of the Giants players, and uh, you know having met them and spent a little time having a lunch, it makes it special. And some of us cross follow each other on Instagram, like Hunter Pence, and we follow yeah. each other, and Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, so, did, Pop, did Pablo ever hit any out here? And he was a switch hitter. Yes, he did. So he, he did. hit. Okay. I actually got most of them. I got eight Pablo Sandoval home oh, wow. runs. I have eight. So <laughs> I had his first one, and I also got his last one. Do the players ever ask for? You said milestones. Yes. Occasionally, do they ever ask for that ball? Those they balls do. Back? They do. Yeah. Let me just make sure. Okay, Flores is still up. So I we're heard okay. the, fr the Friends logo. That's very. Oh, that's if kayaks get too close. Uh, so I've got, if Flores gets a hit, I gotta make sure I'm ready for the next. There's a lefty after him. So the game's now tied 1-1. Oh, good. Uh, sacrifice flight. It's 1-1. I think a giant might be out. I wonder. We recorded this episode during a Giants game, and so Dave let us know he'd have to take breaks when Giants left-handed hitters were up to bat. Let's hear a little more from Dave. Initially, the home runs I really I wanted them for my display cabinet and stuff sure. like that, and but over time, um, for instance, this year Charlie Blackman of the Rockies hit his 200th career home run, and it's probably the last milestone he'll hit. And I, I gave him his 200 home run back, okay. and uh, I also caught the 300th home run by Carlos Beltran in 2011. Oh, I gave wow. that back okay. to him. So if it's like a milestone, I'll give it to him. And like if I get a first home run from a player today, I will give it back to him. Sure. I actually, the interfacing with the players and stuff, talking to them, and then having maybe a friend of mine video it, those are the memories the that I really part, want. Hey, this is Jock Peterson. I have one oh, home run. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's Dave talking a little more about so-called milestone baseballs he's collected from the waters of the Cove. I do have certain milestones at home, like I have the 1,000th giant home run hit at this park. It was oh. a splash hit, and I'm really fanatical on planning, and the motto of my family is never unprepared, and I kind of live up to that. So almost a year before 
Um, I knew the Giants had 950 home runs per my records, and I verified with the Giants, yes, 950. So I counted them down, and when it got to 999, I knew the next Giants home run was 1,000, and about 9% of all home runs reach the cove here. Right. And historically, I generally get about 65 or 70% of the home runs. So that percentage of nine is about 6%. So I have a one in 20 chance. A one in tw of any home run make getting in my hands that's hit at the park. So I had a one in 20 chance. But for example, when you hear 999, you're like, do you get into the mode of, okay, every game until I get that? Yes, yeah. yes. And so like the Giants are going to next year reached the hundredth splash hit. So when we get to 99... We're not going to get it this year? I don't think so. The ball's what not... What are they at, 94, 95? Something we're like at that? 94 now. I got 93, okay. 94, but 95 okay. hasn't happened. It'll be next year, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Brandon Belt's up, so I got sure. to Pay special attention to that number, 94. It'll come up again in part two of this episode. That's it for part one of this episode on McCovey Cove. Check back next week for part two. We'll hear from some of the folks we met on the water back in July. And there will be a surprise, especially for you Giants fans out there. Part two drops next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 190 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.